there's anyone who's ever achieved their dream. First of all, I use the Jack Sparrow analogy. You know the compass that he holds? And there's that scene with Orlando Bloom and Mr. Gibbs and Orlando Bloom's like, how are we supposed to find an island that no one can find with a compass that doesn't point north? And Mr. Gibbs says, ah, the compass doesn't point north, but we're not trying to find north, are we? So what I say to people is this, if you have a dream of your heart, okay? Not your ego, but your heart. And you see this vision, right? That's an island that no one else knows is there, okay? And so when you start sailing in that direction, at first, people are going to be like, where are you going, man? <laughs> right? So start expecting that. Two things are true for anyone who ever found their island and achieved their dream. Number one, they got laughed at. Number two, they did it anyway. And by the way, if you haven't gotten laughed at, I guarantee you, you did behind your back. You just don't know it. Hello, everybody. Welcome in here. It is June 16th. 2020. We are rocketing through this year. I know it's been a wild one, but we are rocketing through the year. And uh, speaking of rockets, we got a rocket of an interview today. Isn't that some of the best freaking copy or sales you've ever heard? No, seriously, guys, Alan Lazarus is our guest today. And um, Alan's a speaker, uh, a consultant, a, a business coach, a personal coach, a fitness coach. I mean, this guy is... Um, I can't think of uh, just, just a perfect fit for the audience of this podcast. 80 plus percent of our listeners are under the age of 30. That's all I have to say. Alan fits that demographic perfectly. Uh, and I'm stoked to have him on here. Guys, this was a fun interview. I literally just got a chance to re-listen to it. Um, so many golden nuggets. I, I found myself taking notes with this. It, just so much fun. So real quickly, right before we dive in here, do me a favor. This is going to be a podcast that you're going to want to send to a friend. You're going to want to share this one, or whether you want to or not, you're going to take a lot out of it. So that's my challenge to you. Share this with someone who needs this podcast. This is going to help you get back on track, or it's going to push you even further ahead uh, as to whatever it is that you're doing. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe. Helps us a ton. Uh, we're up to over 22 ratings right now on Apple Podcasts. I'm rolling we're rolling with it. Uh, no, but guys, I really appreciate you guys like crazy for finding value in this and sharing it with others. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alan Lazarus, let's cue the intro. This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. All right, Alan Lazarus, I am freaking pumped to have you join us, man. So, I uh, indirectly uh, got introduced to you through uh, Kevin Palmieri, and Kevin came on and did a, a I mean, just an awesome presentation with our group of young professionals that we did, which I guess is really uh, essentially a mastermind. We had a group of people that uh, come together, and I know you guys do something similar. This has been so cool for me, though, because hearing from Kevin and the authentic, just no BS trying to grow, trying to get to the, the bottom of what the challenge is for others by being transparent about the challenges you've overcome. That seems to be the brand of what you guys do at the Hyperconscious Podcast. I'm Absolutely. stoked. I'm stoked to jam with you today. Man, you have an awesome story. I don't want to put the, the cart really before the horse, man. Can you give the audience just a, a I don't want to, you know, the classic story, but dude, how did you get to the point where you guys are now 360 some episodes deep on the Hyperconscious Podcast? You're doing this awesome coaching that you do. I know you're doing coaching, consulting, speaking, probably a little less speaking right now because COVID. Dude, Unfortunately. how... How did you get into this? Because looking at your background, man, I know it looks like you did, you know, some school, you went into a sales gig, maybe did some other stuff, but now you're just going out there and impacting lives, man. Give me the breakdown. How did you have the realization that this is something you got to do? So it's interesting because again, you can't really connect the dots looking forward, but that now looking back, I can kind of connect sort of what happened and try to put it in story format, even though it was a little messy along the journey. So one thing I'll say is I took a lot of messy action. I've always been very action oriented. And so I think I made a lot of failures and learned a lot from them. I, I was never someone who stayed on the fence very long. I usually just like went one way or the other, went all in on it and then realized either through massive pain or massive pleasure, whether or not that was the right path. So when I was two years old and maybe you have or have not heard this, my father passed away in a car accident and that's kind of where it all started for me. And what I think is interesting now looking back is that I lost something very near and dear to my heart that I honestly 
will never really get back in a certain sense, but I also gained something else. I gained really two things. One, I was raised by two females. My, my older sister's three years older than me, and she was kind of like my, my mother. And then I, I had my mother who was also sort of like, in a way, kind of like a grandma. So I had two women who raised me. And I'm a very natural masculine energy, but I was raised by women. So they, I feel like that's become such a major advantage in so many incredible ways. And I still just feel so blessed by that. So while I did lose my father from a very young age, I was raised by women. And I do think that ended up being a huge strength. The second piece of that that I've now realized is a major strength is that a lot of us have this intellectual idea of death. I've never, it's never been intellectual for me. It's been emotional. You know, I never was able to hide from the idea of you and I and all of us will die eventually. And so what's going to matter is how you choose to live. And what's fascinating is growing up, I would always hear stories of John, my dad, right? And everybody talked about how he lived. Nobody talked about how he died. So at the end of your life, if you're listening, I think that's the main takeaway here is that life is about choice and how you choose to live is going to matter infinitely more than when or how you die. So live life to the fullest and make sure you make positive choices based on your own heart. Now, fast forward a little bit. My mom always taught me why things were the way they were. Me and my sister still joke today because my mom used to always lecture us. So instead of like punishing us, she would literally, we'd get in trouble and then she would lecture us for like an hour as to why, which is fascinating because at the time we hated that. But now I totally understand it because I think a lot of us as kids, we get punished, but we don't understand what we're punished for. Therefore, there's this great quote. It's like, if a cat sits on a hot stove, yeah, it will never, and it gets burned. Yeah, it will never sit on hot stoves again, but it also will never sit on cold ones either. And so we have this interesting conditioning from a very young age of like, okay, this caused me pain one time. We hold on to that subconsciously and it stops us from making new positive choices. And so if we don't go back and be hyperconscious and acutely aware of why things are the way they are, now we don't really have the power to control them. If your car breaks down or you don't know why, you don't know how to fix it. You rely on a mechanic, okay? And so that's why I'm so obsessed with why. And I, I got lectured very early on and I didn't realize what that was really doing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, fast forward, I'm about probably eight to 10 years old. I'm not 100% sure. I'm in the car with my mom and we're driving past WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's a, a technical institution college that I went to. It's kind of like a mini MIT. And at the time, my uncle, my uncle Merle, and the track and field is actually still named after him, was the track and field coach at that school. And my mom said, you're really smart life is about choices. Really smart people go to this school. And if you do really well in school, you can go to WPI and you'll have choices. You'll have money. You'll have financial freedom. And it's interesting because money doesn't buy happiness. And I've learned that very, very true in a real way, but it does buy choices. And choices can, if you make the right ones, buy happiness and fulfillment. And so this is the fascinating thing. I think understanding is everything. So you see that kind of common pattern. So what I didn't realize at the time is that my mom was planting a dream in my heart go to WPI one day. And so she actually let me take eighth grade off. And she said, if you take eighth grade off and have fun, promise me you'll get the president's award in high school. And what the president's award in this country in high school is, is basically you can't get below a 95 GPA average every report card for all four years. And we had quarters. So that means four times four. So 16 report cards. Um, I wasn't able to get below a 95. And by the way, you're muted. I don't know if you knew that. You do know that? Oh, okay, good. Okay, so it's the first time I've ever had that on a podcast. So I, I dig it. I dig. By the way, the reason I'm muted is I'll be saying like "f yeah" or like I'll just be cursing. Like I'm like, Fuck <laughs> it. Feel like okay. for the audience' sake, it should be muted. So yeah, keep, keep going. Okay, awesome. Just making sure I've never had that before. So I like it. I like you're in a, you're an innovator. Okay, so I get straight A's through high school, <laughs> and I end up getting into WPI, which is wonderful, and that was my dream, right? I did electrical and computer engineering, and that was one of the hardest things I've ever done for anyone out there who's got an engineering degree. It is absolutely brutal, but here's the cool thing. I went from the quote unquote smart kid in high school, got straight A's to then going to WPI and realizing, Oh wow. I'm like, for lack of better phrasing, one of the dumbest ones here <laughs> and I'm in over my head again. And so I think that's another common theme. I keep putting myself in rooms where I'm in over my head and, and kind of leaning and growing into them. But I was electrical computer engineering, went into corporate America, started doing, uh, I worked for a company called Psycho Safety Products and a company called iRobot doing engineering. And I realized really quickly that I love people and that I'm very extroverted and that designing circuits behind a desk wasn't really my thing. Went back for my MBA, 
did a lot of soul searching in corporate America. I mean, I, I worked for a company called, uh, it used to be Texas Instruments, it's called Sensata Technologies Now. Started my own company called Campus Libre, which was like this campus specific Craigslist for textbooks. Um, that ended up having like falling through, uh, our team kind of broke up. And then I worked for a company called Oz Development, um, another one called Lens Americas, uh, eventually ended up at a company called Cognex. Now Cognex is an industrial automation company and they sell very, very high end technical products to do quality assurance on manufacturing lines. And so I was in, I started an inside sales team there and then I eventually was promoted to outside sales. Um, one big example of one of my, my customers was Frito-Lay. And basically, I s noticed this pattern happening. I would see these pictures on the walls on these fa manufacturing facilities because I managed all of Western New England, so Vermont, Western Mass, and Connecticut, Connecticut. And the pictures on the walls are of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and there were tons of workers, factories filled with workers. You and I talked a little bit about Detroit and Worcester right before this, so this is kind of synchronistic. Like, these areas used to be very manufacturing and mill based and they used to have booming economies. And now that technology has risen and industrial automation has risen, most of those jobs either went overseas or now in those manufacturing facilities, I would work with these people. There's like one or two plant managers and all the rest of it's automation. So I thought, saw this huge problem happening. Okay. And it kind of ate at me, even though I was doing really well, I went from 65 to 85, from 85 to 110, from 110 to 125. And then in 2014, I made almost $200,000, paid off all my debt, like was absolutely, you know, doing well financially. But I noticed this issue. If technology is increasing at an exponential rate with automation, and then people who are, for lack of better phrasing, less educated are, they tend to have kids younger and more of them, statistically speaking, I saw this huge problem. We have a need for service jobs growing at an exponential rate and automation taking those very same jobs at an exponential rate. So I saw this issue. And so instead of making money automating, and there's nothing against Cognex, nothing against automation, automation is coming for us all. It is what it is, right? But if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And so I kind of realized that I want to fight for the little guy. I want to empower people to create their own jobs, whether it's entrepreneurship, or teach them how to be marketable in the future because I saw this trend. And if you see something and don't do anything about it, it eats away at you. And that ate away at me for a long time. So I got in a car accident and I'm 26 years old working at Cognex. I'm up in New Hampshire with my little cousin and I'm in a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. It's a cold winter night. The road was supposed to stay right. I thought it stayed left. I looked down at my GPS. I looked up. I was on the wrong side of the road, felt like a millisecond. And I really thought that was going to be it. There was this lift kitted truck with the brightest lights I'd ever seen. And this, I legitimately, like, this isn't like, a, oh, I thought that I might've died. I genuinely had that moment of like, this is it for me. And so fortunately, I used to call this car the tank. It was just a steel trap, 2004 Volkswagen. Both airbags went off. I hurt my face a bit on the airbag. He hurt his knee but we were okay. The car was completely smashed and totaled. In my speeches, I show a picture of the car just because this was not like a fender bender. This was brutal. And so after that, man, you know, circle back, my father passed away in a car accident when I was two years old. He was 28. I'm 26 at the time. And I'm just sitting there going, what if that was it? I was so shaken by this. Like I remember sitting there drinking whiskey in an armchair, just questioning everything, every decision I ever made, you know, and the two questions that I've now boiled it down to that were really, I, I was just filled with so much regret. Did I courageously fight for what I believe in and how fiercely and openly did I love? You know, I think that those are the two questions we're all going to ask ourselves, or some version of that at the end of our life. And I didn't like my answers to be completely frank. And so now I kind of reverse engineer regret every single day. And I say this simple quote, which is the stars, we cannot see the stars during the day. They're always there but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which we simply could not within the light. So when you're in emotional pain, you're going to notice a person that you never noticed before. You're going to notice a book you never noticed before. When you're in emotional pain, assuming you don't escape into a vice and numb the pain, but you actually sit with it and contemplate your life, you're going to notice something you didn't notice before. So what I noticed was a book by Bronnie Ware. She's an Australian. We've since interviewed her on the podcast for episode 180, which was wonderful because that was like four and a half years later. But she had a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. So she worked in hospice for eight years. And I, since I, I 
since five years ago, I have a flashcard in my pocket with all five regrets. And thanks to Kevin's suggestion, I now reverse engineer regret every single day. As a matter of fact, I didn't do it last night, but I did this morning when I first woke up. And my journaling habit is going through these regrets, rating myself from zero to 10 on how congruently I lived against them and then giving reasons why. And so what the five regrets are real quick, number one is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Number two is I wish I hadn't worked so hard, which by the way, I think is cousin number one. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my true feelings. Number four, I wish I stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish I let myself be happier. And so start with the end in mind. I now hold myself accountable every day because I know what it's like to think you're at the end and have a bunch of regret because you weren't living a life true to yourself, because you weren't expressing love fully and open and honestly, because we're all afraid to get hurt. You can have the discipline today or the regret tomorrow. It is a choice. And to be completely frank and vulnerable here, I had a drinking problem. I drank too much and too often. I was not maximizing my potential. Cognex's motto was work hard, play hard. I used to say work hard, play harder. Plus in college, I did some drinking again, and I'm not against alcohol per se, but here's what I am against. If you are escaping your life rather than designing it, you are making a mistake. You just might not be feeling the pain of that mistake until the tail end. So don't wait. You know, the time to make positive choices is now. And that's kind of, you know, why I'm here to be completely honest. Dude, that's, first of all, that's awesome. You know, I, I, it's just, um, first of all, I have couple questions banked from from what you just went through but just to build on this you know I, I still remember talking to uh I think it was this is this is a great way to tailor this podcast and turn this way I was talking to my pediatrician I think it was my uh, my doctor a few years ago I mean I was probably I don't know 19 years old I just got off to school she asked me how much I drink I said uh, you know a little bit you know, and, and it's so funny. She looks at me and it's like, what, what is that? What is that phrase? That is such a phrase that means so many different things to different people by drinking right. a little bit, like drinking right. a little bit could be, you know, a couple bottles a week. It could be a few bottles a week. It could be a bottle a month or whatever it is, what you're doing. Dude, how did you, what, what was the point that you reached though with that, with an addiction where it was, I've listened to like uh, Dave Ramsey say, the only time you're ever going to break something is you have to get angry. About oh yeah. Right. Can you take me into that? Actually getting off that. How did you break it? Was it just cold Turkey? How, what, what, what was it like trying to get out of that habit? So here's the interesting thing about the human condition. And I think this is so drastically under talked about because we all just want to stay in the positive all the time. But the truth of the matter is, is that human beings and there's a lot of neuroscience behind this. We change when we're in pain. You know, um, when you're in the gym and you injure yourself, you're more likely to stretch in the future. You're more likely to do mobility. You're more likely to be smarter in the future. And so this pain avoidance tendency, cognitive bias that we have, I think really screws us over because, yeah, they basically say this is that, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the myelin sheath in our brain. It's basically like picture your neurons, and a myelin sheath is the insulation around the neurons. And I'll give you an example. Tom Brady has repeated throwing a football way more than any of us. So therefore, his myelin sheath around those neurons are, are firing way faster and way more precisely for a specific movement. And so before I dig too deep into the science of this, what is, why am I saying this? We have myelin sheaths around old habits that are no longer a good thing for us or for our future. And so here's the problem. We come into new awareness. Let's, I'll give you an example. The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I didn't know those were a thing back in my first relationship. Had I known what I know now, I would have done things differently, of course. And people are like, oh, no regrets. It's like, careful of that. Careful of that. Because if you sit, sit there and say you have no regrets and you just ignore all the bad decisions you've made, you're not going to make better ones in the future. What if you were to sit with those regrets and really own them and, and take ownership and accept them for what they are and then decide to reinvest those lessons into the future. Human beings change when they're in pain. And even from a marketing standpoint, I, I coach a lot of businesses and business owners at this point. I always say this, what is the pain that you are solving? Right now, I hurt my groin. I injured it. My physical therapy client literally just got 10x in her value to me. And so how did I overcome alcohol? I got fed up. I got sick and tired of living below my potential. And to be completely honest, 
that car accident is what made the shift for me of like, I, when the pain is great enough, you will change. I was in so much pain. I had no choice, but to change. We talk about PTSD and that's a very real thing for a long time. Double yellow lines bothered me. I remember I was claustrophobic. Like I had a lot of really, really um, stuff to work through for those next couple of years after that car accident. But what I will tell you is I made a decision. I'm never again going to live below my potential period. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to chase my dreams. I'm going to do all the things I knew I wanted to do. I'm going to, I went all in on personal development. I went all in on fitness. So two things, number one, stop avoiding pain because the pain is the catalyst for change. And I see that time and time again, we've interviewed hundreds of people. Well, over a hundred people on the podcast at this point, pain is the catalyst for change. Use it. It's what you do with it. Emotional pain is a guarantee. What you do with it is not. So that's number one. Number two, you have to choose something that you want more than the vice. I chose fitness. So I don't know if you know who Greg Plitt is. Uh, he's in the fitness industry. So he's a hero of mine. I, have a, I had a poster on my wall in my room for a long time because I want to be inspired consistently. But I wanted his physique. And I was like, I'm doing it. No matter what it takes, I'm going to look like that when I'm his age. Uh, it actually didn't end up taking that long, which is fortunate. And I, I, he's still ahead of me in many ways. But the point is this. I chose in advance the physique I wanted. And guess what? If you want to be the greatest natural aesthetic men's physique fitness model on the planet, which I did, that was my dream. Now, all of a sudden, alcohol has a much bigger downside. So one of the things I try to teach people is, listen, you don't understand what not having clear, specific goals is doing to you. If you have a goal to change history, that's very different than the goal to have fun today. I'm not saying one is right or wrong. I'm saying understand the byproduct of the goals that you have and have not set. So if you do want to overcome alcohol like I did, you're going to have to, number one, stop avoiding the truth and admit that you have a problem and admit that you are really making poor decisions and stop making excuses like, oh, it's because of them. It's because of this. No, it's your fault, right? It's not McDonald's fault. It's not Burger King's fault. It's not the alcohol or the system's fault. It's your choice. You're making a choice. That's number one. Number two, set a goal that makes that vice more detrimental. So if you want to be a fitness model, the downside to drinking alcohol just got 10 x And so you'll avoid that pain more. And I think that that's really something that's just not talked about enough because it's not sexy. It's not shiny. It really does kind of suck, but it is the truth. It, I believe. It, it makes me think back. I had a, we had a Navy SEAL that I had a chance to meet in a small group discussion with probably eight months ago. And one of the things he talked about when you're getting through SEAL training, it's like, you know, this, he said, this applies for anything. It's like, what's your rock? What's the rock that you're going towards? And the story behind it is when you're, I think it's the, I think it's when they, they lay down the mud and they do like 18 hours in the mud or like or 18 hours. I think it's overnight in the, in the mud and the sand out in the, on the beach and you lay down the mud and the mud's freezing. Right. And they, they make you go across the whole beach on your, on your knees. Right. And he's like, you know, he's like, you reach a point though. It's like, you can't focus on the whole beach. He's like, but do you know where your rock is? You know, he would look up and he'd see, you know, a rock or a stick or whatever it was. And they're like, I'm going to get to that rock no matter what it is. And I think it's interesting when you bring up, it's something about the human condition to conform to our external reality, right? Like my, my father always used to say, it's like, you know, you're a product of your own environment. One of the things that like a goal of my, so I got out to, I moved out to San Diego two and a half months ago. Great place to ride out a pandemic. But I, uh, <laughs> being from Michigan, spent a couple of years in Massachusetts, it's like one of the coolest things being down here is, first of all, weather's great, warm. I don't know if you can hear the birds outside my window. It's absolutely great. I love uh, San Diego, man. You said, you said you're in San... Dude, it's, it's a beautiful city, honestly. Way better than LA, in my opinion. In my opinion. <laughs> I am reminded of that almost every day. I love LA, but I love San Diego. And, and yeah. I, I, I live in Pacific Beach, so it's about a four-minute car ride to the beach. Right? Nice. Traffic. And, but I found myself not getting to the beach that much. And you know, one of the goals I said, it's like, I need to get there the first thing in the morning because what I love about the ocean is the ocean is the limiting factor for all of us, right? When you go into the ocean, the ocean destroys, water destroys everything, right? There's not, you, you don't see any buildings in the water, right? It's just like, it, this is the beginning of everything. You come out and now you're in society, right? And it's funny for me though, I can't, I know that for me, it's hard to get out of my bed and want to go dip in the ocean at 5.30 in the morning. Right. I know though, if I do it, I'm going to have a kick-ass day because how do you not have a good day after throwing yourself in the ocean at six o'clock in the morning? And then <laughs> right? like, that's just, that was my theory behind it. But I also know that I'm highly unlikely to do it 
uh, or I'm actually much more likely to do it if I just get out of bed and get on my flip-flops. If I get on right. my flip-flops, I'm like, there's no way I'm getting back into that bed. I'm going to the ocean. I'm not there yet, but I know where I'm going with it. Dude, I want to ask you on that. You, you're making money, working for others, doing your, doing your gig when you're out of school, doing what everyone dreams of doing, right? Getting from a 60 to 100K salary to getting to the point that now you actually have some real money coming in after taxes. You're able to pay off your debts. You're able to do what you know, is really important, which is service your debts and actually start building some wealth, some generational wealth potentially, but maybe not right. generational wealth money, but you're getting there in that sense. How was the, how was the initial jump to, I'm going to build my own income versus where you're at now, which is probably my, my just elaboration of it would be just like with my group, launching a mastermind group. It's like we had two guests booked to get started. And I was like, I have no idea how this thing is going to roll. We go into the first meeting, we crushed it. And I was like, crap, I really got to get some good guests now rolling into it. <laughs> so we, kept on. We, had, we had an awesome 10 week run with it, but by like week four, it was like autopilot, no stress at all. We got the, you know, the, I know what I'm rolling with, but in week one or week negative two, like two weeks before, it's insane how much brain power goes to figure out oh, yeah. what reality is. Once you actually start going into that mission, it gets so much more clarity and you get pushed forward on that. So I want to ask you about that, dude. How is it conforming to a new reality where it's like you're building your own, uh, your own really worth out of working with others? So it's fascinating because have you ever read a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy? It's hilarious. I have it on my bookshelf. No. Okay. All right. Pick that thing up. That thing. I mean, if you ever asked me, how do I be successful? I would just slide that thing across the table. Like that's, that's to me the best, the most valuable book. Cause I think it's the fundamentals. It's all about the fundamentals. Now that said, to answer your original question, it's basically getting momentum early on is really, really difficult. And it comes down to this, like, I told you and your listeners my story. Think about, so from a very young age, Steve Jobs was my hero and I wanted to be a Fortune 50 CEO. So if you think about that end state, right? And I think people, yes, it's about the journey, but they don't realize that the destination you choose in advance actually dictates the journey. If I'm going to drive from Boston to Worcester, that's very different than Boston to San Diego. Okay, that's a completely different journey, right? So yes, it's about the journey, but if you don't plug anything in the GPS, you're going to be winging it. And I always say this, right? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger actually says this. He says, you can have the best ship with the best captain in the world, but if they don't know where to go, you're just going to drift with the tide. And I, have you ever seen the website stumble upon? No, no. Okay. Back, I'm old. I'm older. Uh, so back in my day, when I was in college, there was a website called stumble upon. And it's kind of like this roulette webcam thing where you would just do something silly and stumble upon other people doing silly stuff. And honestly, I actually didn't really like that site at the time, but um, I think that's how a lot of people live their life. We think we're going to stumble upon a great relationship. We think we're going to stumble upon a great career. We think we're going to stumble upon this dream. It's not, yes, that can happen. Okay. Can happen, but that's, that's predicated on luck. And, and so if you look back at the compound effect of my life, before I made the transition that you just asked me about, everything was gearing towards being a fortune 50 CEO. That's why I have an engineering degree and an MBA. That was actually very calculated, believe it or not. Uh, something stupid like 75% at the time I did the research on this of Fortune 50 CEOs, Fortune 500 CEOs in America had an engineering undergrad with an MBA combination. And so I was really designing that future. What I didn't realize is that that future was predicated on a very simple decision very early on. Life is about choices. Engineers make a lot of money. You're good at math. Okay, I'm sorry, but you need more reasons than those three <laughs> to design an entire life, right? So but the point is this, when I made that transition, remember, I'm, I'm leaving, people see, okay, I was making nearly 200 grand a year in 2014. You know, I have what everyone else considers quote unquote success. That was actually a 12 year stretch from the moment I decided to go to WPI to that moment. Now I have to start over. Now you don't fully start over, but you have to start over quite a bit. And so here's the thing, going from seen as very successful, no one questions you type of thing, because they have, you have, you know, in their perception, what you, they think they want, especially financially, which, you know, what's interesting. I used to get questioned, not at all. Even when I was living a life that in my opinion was a lot less sound. Now I get questioned way more than ever, even though I feel like I'm you know, it's just this interesting thing. So the point is, is that that transition was really hard because I, 
I feared judgment and I didn't realize how much I feared judgment, but going from seen as successful and people valuing my opinion and respecting me to wait, what you're a podcaster now. Oh, you're a bodybuilder now. I used to get that all the time. Oh, now you're a bodybuilder. No one questions that shit now, man. Right. But at the time I used to cry regularly. Like I'm not even kidding regularly. Um, cause I just got made fun of so much by so many people. Um, and some of those people have actually reached out and said, I'm so sorry. Like I was such a dick. Like I, I didn't realize you'd actually do this, you know, which is fascinating. And it's funny cause I don't really need your support now, even though back then it would have been nice. Right. But the point is this is it was really hard. It was honestly brutal. I mean, going from making almost 200 grand a year and everyone respecting you, you know, and seeing you as successful to literally landscaping on the side to try to pay your bills and driving a, you know, a 2001 car, you know, um, making very little money. It was very, very difficult. Um, for a very long time, I felt very not respected, not admired, you know, questioned. And, uh, if you have a dream and I say this on stage and I, I say this to people on our show too, like there's anyone who's ever achieved their dream. First of all, I use the Jack Sparrow analogy. You know the compass that he holds? And there's that scene with Orlando Bloom and Mr. Gibbs and Orlando Bloom's like, how are we supposed to find an island that no one can find with a compass that doesn't point north? And Mr. Gibbs says, ah, the compass doesn't point north, but we're not trying to find north, are we? So what I say to people is this. If you have a dream of your heart, okay? Not your ego, but your heart. And you see this vision, right? That's an island that no one else knows is there, okay? And so when you start sailing in that direction, at first, people are going to be like, where are you going, man? <laughs> right? So start expecting that. Two things are true for anyone who ever found their island and achieved their dream. Number one, they got laughed at. Number two, they did it anyway. And by the way, if you haven't gotten laughed at, I guarantee you, you did behind your back. You just don't know it. Oh, that, 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 you're, you're killing me with this. This is resonating a shitload. Um, not to swear on my own podcast, but, um, you know, <laughs> I swore I, uh, too. I apologize. Is that okay? It's fascinating. Well, you know, I'm thinking about this, um, with, um, uh, just going back to, so when I was in school, I had a, I started, I started a house painting company, young entrepreneurs, they essentially give you some funding in the startup and then they split profits with you. My first summer I was a freshman at MSU and I made $15,000, right? Like a stupid amount of money for a college student, right? That's what's up. Right. Yeah. Killing it. Oh, it, it, I killed it at the bars. That's for you know, third <laughs> semester, whatever it was, that was, sophomore year. I spent so much money that sophomore year. So I was broke. And um, I remember I didn't get into the business college. It was, I screwed up one class and it, it just did. I could not, uh, I could not get into the school. And it was, uh, it was so embarrassing because it was like, I just ran this. I literally did like $100,000 of house painting last summer in revenue. But right. here I can't get into the business college at this university when everyone else was like no one was doing what I had been doing that summer. But before I had started that, everyone told me I was going to lose money. It was going to be a mistake. It was going right. to be, uh, uh, you know, all the, it, it's not even, um, I, I don't blame anybody for it. It's not even negativity. It's almost the, it's the one thing where it's like a 99%. It's like everyone in your life wants you to stay the same for their, I know, life, man. Right. 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 And you know, we get back to it. It's like, um, it's amazing how just connecting that I love it. You, you said a quote, I can't remember if you said at the very beginning of this podcast or it was when we got on, but it was uh, it was a Steve Jobs quote. It's like, you, you know, you can't connect the dots looking forward, but you can connect them looking backwards. I don't think that's right. the right quote, but it's somewhere around there. And it's like, looking back on it, if I hadn't not gotten into this business school, I never intended on leaving school, but um, I, I, I came back, I made an absurd amount of money my second summer as a sophomore, like $40,000 as a 19 year old scaling this painting business. And I saw a division of the company out in New England that was failing, but the, the team was doing so, like the, the people that I had met from that division over the last years, they were really good. So I was like, what is going on here? There was a, there was a void of leadership. That was the void of it. And I right. got so excited by the idea of being the person that could get that thing on track. Cause since it had been started, it had been abandoned time and time again by the people who had started it. And, um, you know, it, it, not, not abandoned, but you know, it was, it was left. It didn't it had a void of leadership. It excited me to jump into that role, but it's kind of a crazy thing to be excited about because if you look at the people that I was surrounded with, it's not like that was the goal of anybody that was around me. I mean, I still remember being a, you know, my it's so unhealthy my my second my last semester at school what ended up being my last semester at school like four days a week working on my business three days a week working at school and of those three days two of them were just spent at the library right like absolutely all-nighters wow. um 
Adderall. So oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely yep. terrible. And I got an engineering degree, man. I know. I see you. I see you. And <laughs> <laughs> ed classes. And I was somehow pulling off like 2.9, 3.0 GPA. And I, you know, either way, I was, I was just getting school done so I could focus on the other stuff because I was learning so much more working with customers, working with clients, all this stuff. I remember right. somebody who gave me crap about joining the program was like, man, I wish I had done what you had done. Mm. And I was like, dude, you're a junior, man. You still got time, dude. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's do it. It's like, oh man. He's like, no, I got to go get a real internship. And it killed me because I was like, man, it's like, you know, you don't understand what everyone tells you. It's, it's the world telling you what you should be doing when the reality is it's like, you know, you can do what you want. I look, Kevin O'Leary has this quote that is just unbelievably accurate. It's like, you know, a salary is what they pay you to forget your dreams, right? It's oh my they put goodness. You wow. Yeah. And wow, that was powerful, dude. I've never heard that before, but that is, it's the, how much of the truth can you handle? That, that's what that quote is. <laughs> and, and it was ironic because I put myself in that same position again. So, so last year, so we had, so I took over the new England division of that company two years later, we're they're they're rock stars this year, by the way, the guys that I left doing it, rushing it, they're murdering it right now. In fact, I got to get go. some of those guys out there. They're, they're crushing it. But um, at the time it made no sense. Why are you leaving? You just built this whole, like I got out there, we had, we had one guy that stuck around and I left, we had, you know, a dozen people trying to help build this thing out. It was like, why are you leaving? It was like, it wasn't part of, I got so much more excited about what I could do through figuring it out. And it was like, am I going to eat garbage for 18 months? A hundred percent. That's just going to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's just part of the game. And it's like, that's what's being so fascinating is like, again, getting back to what you were saying, which is like, it's all about you know, perspective and what are you actually aiming for that's going to define those results from the beginning? Because if you aren't aiming for something, it's so easy. And look, you and I aren't above this. We stumble through our day every single day, right? That's why, oh, it's yeah. like, you know, affirmations are like the greatest thing ever, like printing stuff out, actually having it, you know, on your mirror. Oh, yeah. You know, there's so many things when you actually, you know, assemble that stuff. That's great. Alan, I, we could go off on this for different tirades forever. Man, what was the what was it like though uh, for your first time coaching someone in a professional realm? I'm really curious to hear how you got into coaching, uh, and how does it compare? How does business compare to, or really your peak performance coaching? I really want to ask you about that. Okay. How does it compare with business coaching and fitness coaching and everything in between? What's the what are the couple things that it just it doesn't matter? They both seamlessly flow between the two of them. They're both vital to to success. Fire question. So recently on one of my coaching calls, I broke down what I believe is the global economy, which I'll give a, just a super high level real quick, if you don't mind. Okay. So there's certain parts that make up the global economy. Okay. You have people, you have businesses, you have real estate, you have government, you have brands and perception, you have private equity. Okay. And then you have the law. And those are pretty much the facets that play together to make up the global economy. And so you've got macro and microeconomics, okay? And so my, the reason why I do this with my clients and I am doing this with your listeners now is like, if you don't understand how a car works, you're not gonna be able to build your own car. So if you wanna design an awesome life, you have to understand how things work so that then you can make change, positive change within that system. And so what I decided from a very young age is what's the cell, okay? We've got the human body, but what's the cell? The cell is human beings. I love human beings. Growing up, I would hear people say, oh, I hate people. Like, oh, I, it always bothered me because I just absolutely love people. And I, I, I'm a serial optimist. Even with everything going on in the world right now, I think people are inherently good. And I think, you know, pain begets pain. And, we, you know, we had traumas early on that we never dealt with. And I think that that's just what happens. So to answer your question, I decided to study human beings. And I could go into this for days. I mean, you got your central nervous system, peripheral nervous system, crocodile brain, mammalian brain, prefrontal cortex, left and right hemisphere, how it all works together, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I could talk for days about humans and how the body works, how the mind works, how emotions work, how logic works, how spirituality works. And again, I'm still learning every day and I'll never fully have all the answers. But what I do know is I chose people. Okay, so what was coaching like? Coaching is understanding the human being, what drives them, what they want out of life, what they actually value, not what they told themselves they value. Where are they spending their time? Where are they spending their money? Are they ever going to reach the goal they think they're going to go? Do they even have goals? 
And so coaching for me is like solving the greatest puzzle on earth. Because to me, your life is going to come down to a couple things. If you don't believe in your own brighter future, there's no way you're going to invest in it. Why would Warren Buffett invest in a stock that he didn't believe would grow? People think, oh, I'm just not motivated. No, you're not not motivated. You have no clarity of what you really want. And you probably are struggling with belief. And the three beliefs you must have to achieve anything is number one, it is possible. Number two, it's possible for me. And number three, it'll actually be worth it. And that's the hard one, especially when you're eating garbage, as you said. So for me, my coaching, it was like, oh my God, I was born for this. Not just born, but bred for this. Like I've always been obsessed with understanding myself and understanding human beings and how it all works. And so if I can get to the point where I understand how the economy works, how society works, how government works, how business works, how real estate works, how private equity works, how all that works. And I can understand human beings, which is basically, by the way, private equity, businesses, real estate, all of that is human beings. Inside of all those businesses are human beings. It's just people helping people. So if I can understand human beings and I can influence human beings, I can change culture, I can change leadership, I can change it all. And so for me, coaching is the most magnificent puzzle in the world. And I get paid and I, I often say this, I've started saying this to myself, I'm going to take a small part of your huge win. And I, I said this on a coaching call yesterday. I just picked up a new, a new client. Her name is Shannon. And I said, I'm going to take a small part of your huge win. And it is my job to make sure you're winning. And by the way, I won't feel like I'm winning unless you're winning. And I love to win because I want to get her excited. And so I also have spreadsheets of PPT, peak performance tracking, and I track people's total productive output and I graph it over time. So we have these systems of success, these daily does, and I'm sure Kevin talked to your audience a little bit about that kind of stuff. But peak performance part of it is basically like, if you don't want a world-class life, I'm not the coach for you because I'm just going to be a pain in your butt. If you do want an extraordinary life, it's going to require a world-class system and it's going to require world-class consistency. You know, we see Tom Brady on the podium holding the trophy for 30 seconds. We don't see the 30 years of discipline that it took to get there. And I like to tell this story because I think it's indicative of something really powerful. I was giving a speech to Medway High School to a group of high school athletes. And in my PowerPoint, I pull up a slide of Tom Brady holding the sixth Super Bowl trophy. And I'm like, we're in New England. Who here loves Tom Brady? Every hand shoots up. And I knew it would. And I say, next slide. I turn this next slide. TB12 method, how to sustain a lifetime of peak performance. It's Tom Brady's book. I said, who here has read Tom Brady's book? Every hand shoots down. I say, ah, see, we both love Tom Brady, but we love him for a very different reason. I love him for his discipline, his habits, his leadership, okay, for his ambition, for his gratitude, for his humble, his humility. And, and that's the thing. Don't, if you want a peak performance in life, and I also said this to them. I said, how to sustain a lifetime of peak performance? Aren't you curious? You know, and I guarantee you some of them went and read that book. But the point is this. It's like my old friends and stuff, they would, they would literally like, they would love Tom Brady too. But I, I remember sitting there thinking to myself like, you guys love Tom Brady because he's good at football, but you're not doing any of the positive things that Tom Brady's doing. You don't know about his, his charity walk with best buddies. You don't know about him going to bed at 9 p.m. every single night and waking up at 5 a.m. every single morning. Like, you don't have the focus and discipline. So it's like, to me, you need to want the character trait more than the shiny object. And that's what my coaching is really about. And that's honestly what the Hyperconscious Podcast is about, too. It's, it's reality versus perception. Like, when we meet people, sometimes their perception way exceeds their character. We want to be the opposite. We want when you meet us to realize, oh, wow, they're actually way better in person than they are, you know, on the internet. <laughs> and hopefully I've been that for you today, but, you know. You know, I, uh, it, you're cracking me up. By the way, and this is only for Alan, because we're going to release the audio of this. When you see me reach, I have a whiteboard above me. So I'm writing down like, oh, I got to make sure I ask this question. <laughs> I um, love it. I actually, I want to tie this in because it was just funny. We're, we're talking about all this, And this is one of the reasons I love what you guys do with the Hyperconscious podcast is like, again, like how do we focus back in on, we had a coach uh, came on one of our group calls and said like, you know, you think about the future and you think about all the opportunities you have, all the amazing stuff you could do uh, and you get stressed. Right. Overwhelmed. And in the moment. And then you look at the past, you look at, oh my gosh, all the things you could have done differently, the things, you, the bridges you burned, whatever it is, all the things you could have done and you get depressed. Mm -hmm. And the reality is those are two both distractions because all that matters is actually what's in front of you right now. It's what's in right. front of you 
day, what you're actually doing with your, with your, with, with your day. And that's what I love about you guys with the hyperconscious podcast is just focusing on being hyperconscious about the things that you do. And, um, I, I it being, it, it's being intentional, right? Actually right. being intentional about what it is that you are trying to do and not even so what you're trying to do, what you're doing. I want to ask you about this because we're, we're jamming on how, uh, how, I mean, we're, we're, it's a very anti, not anti-establishment, but like if you take the average person, I would assume your audience is also filled with young people. Yeah. A lot of people coming out of school, massive amounts of debt. They don't have the option of, oh, you know, or at least they, they, they at least believe they don't have the option right. of, um, hey, I can't leave this job that's paying me 66 grand a year because I have a $1,200 a month student loan payment, which is madness, but it's the reality of Americans today, right? And, and you could make an argument. It's like, well, you also took out X amount of tens of thousands of dollars and didn't pay a dime of it for five years. How are you supposed to be frustrated then that you got to pay all this money back? It's like, it's, it's a paradox, right? And I can make the argument that, again, like we're feeding people into a machine that they don't even understand that, that they're taking out. But that's right. a discussion, right? We're not right. going to solve any problems on that in this podcast. My question to you on this is, dude, we're talking about, I just gave the quote of like, you know, the, the, the Kevin O'Leary quote about, you know, the salary being the drug they give you to forget your dreams, right? How does somebody actually, what are some actionable steps for somebody who maybe believes that, but they don't, they just don't have the, it's not even the confidence. It's just like, man, I can't even think about that. I got this project. I got to get done by Friday for that client. I got this working on. It's like, I make, you know, again, you got a fixed income, whatever it is, and you're working on it and you feel like you're on that wheel. Right. What are specific actions that someone can take today as they're listening to this that can actually start getting them on a path to maybe either leave that career or crush that career, become the person that absolutely skyrockets through the organization? What are the things that are actually actionable today? And I'm assuming one of them is going to be some kind of goal setting, actually planting that flag where you're headed with this. Right. What are the things somebody could do today, right now, that's right now. going to get them closer to peak performance? I think that one of the things I've found in studying per peak performance and peak performers and interviewing, you know, world-class people in their field, I think it comes down to focus, which honestly comes down to certainty, which comes down to clarity. And so I think the first step really is number one. Yeah. The past happened. That's okay. Accept where you are today. And I would say this, there's a question I ask my clients and it's actually on the questionnaire. If they ever book a free call with me prior to even working with me, if you could wake up in the morning and rub a lamp and a genie popped out and you could be the best in the world at any three things, what would they be? Not what you believe you can, but what you actually would want. Okay. And try to answer this from a practical perspective. And, and here's the thing. There's something called the 1000% formula that Brian Tracy came up with. And for those of you who aren't math people, I'll just crunch the numbers for you real quick. Basically what he said is that if you improve by one tenth of 1% every weekday for a decade, you'll be a thousand percent better in that thing. And it compounds to 26% year over year. And the numbers add up to a thousand percent. He came up with, it's called the continuous improvement formula. So we stopped playing piano in six months because we still suck. But what you don't realize is that in 10 years, you're Mozart, okay? Now, maybe not necessarily Mozart, but you know what I mean? You're world-class. You do anything in this world today, this distracting world, if you do anything for 10 years and you stick to it and it's valuable, you're going to be world-class. So the first thing is get clarity on what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and what you really want to do. Now, it's hard for people to envision the decade. If you can't do a decade, do two years. Okay. And number one is clarity. Get clear on who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then what you really want out of life. Okay. And try your best not to allow limiting beliefs in yet. Okay. The how will come. The person's places, things, and ideas will come. I honestly believe as soon as you plug something into that GPS and you, you set that flagpole, like flagpole, flagpole, <laughs> flagpole, like you said, I believe the person's places, things, and ideas will come into your orbit and now you'll notice them. If you're looking to buy a car, you're going to notice cars way more. And if you're looking for a Ferrari, you're not going to notice the Subarus driving by. So you have to know in advance and choose in advance what you really want. And then the person's places, things, and ideas will actually be noticeable and actionable. So step one is clarity. Do whatever you can. Meditate. Find some clarity. Actionable today 
That's step two. Step two is number one, be okay with not being perfect out of the gate. If you're, if you have a bad relationship with failure, you are, you are so in trouble. Okay. I will never forget when I talked to Tim Grover, which was Michael Jordan's personal trainer. And I got a chance to talk to him. I have a flashcard in my pocket. He wrote a book called Relentless. And the flashcard in my pocket has the five ways to be relentless. And I showed it to him and he ended up sharing it. And we talked for a little while. And what he was talking about is this. Michael Jordan actually missed more shots per time on the floor than almost any other basketball player in, in the world. And he's one of the best. You know, you got, I think it's Reggie Jackson, 2,600 home runs. But he was, he was like number one in strikeouts. But no one remembers the strikeouts. They remember the home runs. So you need to change your relationship with failure and stop trying to be perfect. Like I, the first episode of the Hyperconscious podcast is brutal. Kevin interviewed me. It's not, it's not good. But if we didn't do number one, we wouldn't be at number 370. So the LinkedIn CEO says this. He says, if you're not embarrassed by your first launch, you launched too late. I remember one time, one of my buddies, he won the very first uh, fitness show he ever did. And I remember thinking to myself, I congratulated him and, and he did kill it and he, he deserves it. But I remember thinking to myself, like he overcooked the turkey. If you won your first show, you should have been competing years ago. But again, that's assuming that's the life he wanted. That's the clarity piece. But honestly, that's how I, I think. Like uh, my girlfriend just released her first episode of the Why Power podcast with one of my clients, actually. And I literally texted her, swear to you. Um, not my girlfriend, cause I was with her this morning, but her business partner, one of my clients, Bianca, I texted her and said, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. You just made your first step. And I I'll even read it. I'll even read it live. What I said to her. Cause I think this is powerful. Look at this. Okay. I said verbatim, uh, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. I look forward to the day when I get to listen to episode 1000 and I get to remember this day. I said, not joking, LOL. I'm dead serious. I want to see a thousand episodes from them. And by the way, by episode a thousand, they will have done at least 400 that they thought sucked. Okay. If you look back on your old episodes and say, oh, wow, we used to be so good. You're not getting any better. There is no way to be good out of the gate. Everybody's terrible at first. Go watch the Scorpion King by the rock, please. He was terrible. Okay. Like, just get over failure, get clear on what you want, fail forward along the way, and you're going to be unbelievable. I love this message. I'm jamming with this. Then we could go all day. I want to stick to time here. I will have a last thing I want to ask you. Um, it actually kind of plays into, so what I do now, I've been doing, essentially, I do freelance client work for people who, one of the things with building our New England division that I didn't even realize I did, I did over like 800 interviews for college students in two years, right? So I've literally done... I, I used to joke that I could get like messed up on a lot of drugs and probably go do interviews if I wanted to. Right. Like right. it's just, I've just done it so many times. Like, I think it's autopilot brain right. uh, to go through and do them. Um, and that's what I do now. I, I've been able to have the chance to help a couple different companies, actually people be able to scale and actually grow and, and do some work with them on their hiring processes and also just scaling, getting clarity on what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. How do we delegate some of that stuff? Um, Matt, I want to ask you and just close here. It's, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a, uh, a friend of mine, went to high school with him, internship at Goldman Sachs, awesome finance guy, all this great stuff. Uh, he then leaves and he starts his own coaching business, which just makes no sense, right? All out there. Everyone's, everyone's judging him in that sense. Right. Uh, we, we get a chance to catch up every time, every, uh, it seems like literally every year, Wednesday before Thanksgiving at the bars, we catch up. And uh, one of the things that he, he told me is like, I used to ask people what their five-year, 10-year plan was in interviews. And one of the things he told me, which is like, he's like, you know, he's like, one of the things I've found just in working with people, he's like, you know, it's just, it's just not a, it's not, it's just, frankly, it's not a fair question to ask people who are young because, it, because it, 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 it's so far out. It might be a goal. It's great that they have that, but it's just, it's not, it's not any use to you as an interview. He said, so it's a more appropriate question to ask two or three years out because you can actually structure that in your brain. Right. You know? And um, I agreed with that, with the purpose that I was going to be using that. I want to ask you, man, for this podcast, for everyone that's been listening, I know this has been hugely impactful, man. What are you looking to accomplish in the next five to 10 years? Just to break that rule. What, is your, what are some of the goals that you're trying to scale and what you're working at and where you see yourself going? So we have a goal this year to reach 5 million listens on the Hyperconscious podcast. But honestly, and I, I just want to say this, 
when it comes, I think the world desperately needs personal development, hyper-consciousness, intentional living. A lot of the stuff going on in the world right now is overreactions to overreactions to overreactions. And I understand that it's a systematic problem and I understand that it's systemic. I understand the root cause and I understand that there's a lot of suffering and pain. To me, happy, healthy, productive, fulfilled people don't hurt other people. I want to spread the actual tangible tactical strategic ways in which people can become happy, healthy, productive, and fulfilled. Because I think that's the root cause of all suffering. Suffering in human beings comes down to two main things, either ignorance or apathy. Either you don't know enough or you don't care enough to do anything about it. And so to me, what's the solution? Caring and love and empathy, understanding. And knowledge, knowing what to do, how to do it why to do it, you know, the who, what, when, where, why. So to answer your question, I want to change, I want to bring personal development to the masses. That's really what it comes down to. And I have a bunch of different vehicles for which I'm doing that. And Kevin and I are on this mission to create something called Hyperconscious University, where we want it to be like a bird's eye view online of, you know, one of the buildings. It's like a picture, a picture of a campus. One of the buildings is personal development. One of the buildings is intimate relationships. One of the buildings is personal finance. And it's like, to me, equal opportunity means we all have access to an excellent education for a reasonable price. I spent a lot of money on my education and I've learned way more from mentors and people who actually are doing this than I ever did for my education. And honestly, the main reason why university was so valuable to me is the people I met and the network I created. And so to me, I think people learn best from people. I want to take people who have results, who understand how to get them and why to get them and are, have big hearts. And I want to help other people learn from those people so that we can all be happy, healthy, and productive. And so I want to literally be at the forefront of the online education revolution. Oh. Hey man, for us that want to follow you on that journey, how do the people listening to this podcast get more Alan Lazarus, get more of your, the hyperconscious podcast? I know you guys have a freaking awesome, Matt. by the way, uh, Amy, your assistant is, I love Amy. This cracks me up because she was, uh, oh, she's going to get so mad that I'm saying this on the podcast. The video <laughs> she sent me an outreach to do the podcast, she looked so uncomfortable on it. I was like, oh, this is great. She's like, she's clearly figuring it out as she goes because she looks so uncomfortable. She we sail forward. Yes. Well, we do a couple voice messages back and forth, and I opened her up like a butterfly. Right now she's like, we're joking back and forth on. That's awesome. And, That's and awesome. it cracks me up because she, uh, she then goes, you know, I'm like, I'm liking, you know, this is just so funny because we had the mess up with the calendar invites. And she's like, you know, you know, and just, just so you know, like, you know, we have this awesome mastermind that we do. And yeah, I guess it'd be just really cool if you were a part of it. Like I love, <laughs> what I love about it is like, you guys are clearly doing an amazing job of people that are in your circle um, mm -hmm. to the point where she doesn't want me in the mastermind for any other reason than she thinks I can benefit from it. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. I'm so dude, grateful. Thank you for sharing that because dude, Amy's yeah. got a huge heart and she's learned and grown so much. It's, it's, that's probably one of the highest compliments you could pay me is the fact that you, you know, you think we're leading by example. So, well, so tell me about that, man. How, how do people follow you? How do they find you on social media? How can they get to, uh, how can, give us all the, all the details, man. How do they in, indulge themselves in hyperconsciousness? So, uh, we just redid the website. So the hyperconsciouspodcast.com is definitely a good place, but honestly, if you're out there right now and you're struggling with something, reach out. Because between me or Amy, we get back to everybody. And even if I don't have the solution or Kevin doesn't have the solution or Amy doesn't have the solution, I guarantee you we know someone who does or we've done an episode about it or whatever. So I like to think of myself as sort of the book and podcast doctor of like, if you have a challenge, if I can't personally help you, I guarantee you I have a resource or a person or a book that can. So just please reach out. We get back to everybody, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, any of those, we're actually about to be on Pinterest soon, but we're not yet. So thehyperconsciouspodcast.com, or you can Google my name, um, Alan Lazarus, A-L-A-N, last name Lazarus, L-A-Z-A-R-O-S. And you can go on any platform and message us and we get back to everybody. And again, just reach out. We're happy to connect. That's what we want to do. We want to connect you with like-minded people because I know how alone this entrepreneurial journey can feel and it doesn't have to be that way. Hey, man, I hope you come back here uh, sometime in the future and keep us updated with how you're doing, man. I love it. I appreciate you. This has been fire.
Thanks for coming on, Alan. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's all we had. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Get After It podcast. As always, you can find me uh, at Aaron Z. Griffin on Instagram, at Aaron Griffin on LinkedIn and Facebook. Would love to connect with you and love to hear about your mission, your journey, your challenges, and how you're taking action to overcome the challenges in your life. That being said, let's get after it, people. Talk to you all soon. And see you next time on the Get After It podcast.